guys, it's Melissa. Since we're an independent podcast, your support means the absolute world, whether that's on social media, in a podcast review, or a word of mouth recommendation. If you've been enjoying this podcast and would like to take it a step further, I now have a support feature where you can contribute a one-time donation at whichever price you'd like. Click the link in the episode description to learn more. Thanks, guys. Now enjoy the show. The Sisterhood of the Bottomless Mimosa. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the Sisterhood of the Bottomless Mimosa. I'm Melissa. And I'm CJ, and we've never had mimosas on this podcast. Never once, and we never will. I've had champagne. I I was going to say, I know I had sparkling wine in episode one, but I don't think it was a mimosa. I don't think. No. We're just frauds. (laughs) Broads and frauds. (laughs) Episode 29, which is as old as one of us, right? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. For for a few more months. My birthday is a month from today. I have, Holy shit. I know. I don't even have any plans. I should book a trip or something. I haven't even thought about it. I'm going to be 46. <laughs> so, you know, it's your golden year, right? <laughs> She's lying. I know. I'm only going to be 42. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Well, we have... I think we have a really exciting episode today because we're going to have a really long intro. We are recording this on a Friday night. It is 1130 in New Orleans, and this is what I'm doing for sure. Um, This is really getting in the way of me being high and watching documentaries on YouTube. So, you know, but we do what we can for this art. Yes, we do. And Um, also, just FYI to everybody, sorry for the long break. But we are back, and we hope that you weren't dying in agony during our very short hiatus. I think, I think they were. <laughs> they definitely I were. Think all twelve of our listeners are now dead. <laughs> <laughs> so I will start with my extremely exciting update, which is that I got hit by a car. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. In the t- it's hilarious. In the time between our last episode and now. And I was on my bike and I was going through an intersection. I had the right of way and a gigantic GMC terrain just plowed right through me like I wasn't even there. And I I had like tried to speed up to avoid the crash. Like, so you could see that it was going to happen? Oh, yeah. Well, because she was at a stop sign. And then she just started going right at me like I wasn't there. So Got I think it. she was probably looking at her phone. Can't prove it, but I'm going to go ahead and guess. Because, like, as I noticed, you know, you have, like, two seconds, right? So I, like, noticed she's not stopping. So I start yelling. And I start trying to speed up. But it, I mean, I was yelling. So it was like she literally was just not looking. Um, and fell on my fucking knee which is fine um and of course i screamed what the fuck and then she pulled over and got out and was she was way more freaked out than i was and she was like oh i'm so sorry i didn't see you and i just was like 
you know, I didn't say anything. Cause it, like, I, of course, like you get hit by a car, you get mad, but then you see this other person who's like terrified and you're like, what am I going to do? Scream at you? Like, that's not going to do anything. Like you fucked up. Let's just like fix it. Um, so I, I'm still like working out the property damage piece with her insurance, but pretty much Regina is dead. My beloved bike that I've been riding for several years now, my vintage bright yellow Raleigh is most likely completely destroyed. So that is Brianna pour one out for Regina. Um, I don't know. It's weird. Like I'm kind of like, I've become a bike person and we all know what the fuck I'm talking about. They're like bike people, you know? And it's like, you get, it's like a horse or a dick, like anything that sits in between your legs long enough, you're going to bond with it. You know, <laughs> like you're going to develop feelings for it, whether it's real or not. So anyway, that was my big, um, my big, uh, th- that's a new experience for me. Haven't been hit by a car yet. So that was new. Um, but bodily, I am fine. And the insurance threw a little bit of money at me. So I was like, well, shit, maybe I should just get hit by cars for a living. No, no, bad idea. No, bad idea. I mean, we don't want you to turn into a vegetable. And then you're going to have to be, like, tied up to, like, all these machines and, like, you don't even know you're alive and there's some, like, old man that's, like, feeding you fucking, like, mashed sweet potato for the rest of your life. Like, no. Okay, fine. But it's funny because, or maybe this is too dark and we can cut it, but I've been, like, kind of up to that point. I was like going through a pretty hardcore depression and I and I was on the phone with my friend. I was like, only I could be like suicidal, get hit by a car and not fucking die. And he just started laughing. He was like, I'm sorry, but that's kind of funny. I'm like, it's hilarious because that would only happen to me. That was the universe saying, not yet, bitch. I went, well, fuck you, universe. You know what? Don't take my bike. So that was like, wah, wah, bummer. I'm still here, still recording. So while you were getting hit by cars, mm-hmm. I was out camping and got bit by a bug and underwent bug poison for the last week and thought I was going to die, but it turns out I'm going to live. What? What do you mean? What is bug poison? What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know, but I got bit by something when I was camping, and now I have an enormous, like, grapefruit-sized <gasps> welt bruise on the inside of my thigh, and then I got, like, a weird, like, bug poisoned flu for two days whoa oh my god what have you do you have lyme disease i hope not was it a tick did you find a tick i don't know i didn't see what bit me but i have a fucking giant thing on my leg and then i didn't even know i knew i got bit and then a couple days went by and i like didn't really like look there because it's like kind of under my thigh it's not like in perfect sight for me yeah and then i went and played my volleyball game tuesday and I was wearing, like, short shorts, and one of the girls on my team was like, holy motherfucking fucking shit, what the hell is that on your leg? And it was enormous and bright red and massive. And she took a picture of it, and I was able to see it up close, and I can see that two little dots uh. are bit into my leg, like, <gasps> like teeth or something. Does it hurt? Does it itch? No, but it itched like a mofo for days, and then... I got, like, a strange fever from it. Like, I got sick for, like, two days. That makes me I'm scared. I know. And so if I wasn't better by today, I was going to go to urgent care, and then I woke up and I was totally fine. I wonder what the fuck it was. I have no idea. 
It had to be like a spider or something. Weird. Yeah. Listen, bitches, you can't fucking kill us. We out here <laughs> getting hit by cars, bit by bugs. <laughs> We're like the fucking Starks, motherfuckers. You can't take us down. And on that note, <laughs> segue. Arya fucking Stark. Okay, guys. This is not a Game of Thrones podcast, but it's about to be one for the next two hours or however long this conversation's about to last. So if you do watch, I almost called it Lord of the Rings. If you do watch Game, it's all the same. If you do watch Game of Thrones and you haven't watched the latest episode, it's probably already been spoiled for you, but it will for oh, sure yeah. be spoiled here. So skip ahead and get your life together and watch that goddamn episode. Skip ahead 43 minutes and 16 seconds. <laughs> And we'll be halfway through. Um, okay. I don't even know. How do we start? Where do we start? What do we say? You have to start. I think you... Okay. So I don't... I stopped watching Game of Thrones like halfway through. So I, I watched the first four seasons and then I stopped watching because it was just too graphic for me. And I just like... That was right around the time that Ramsey Bolton was a huge character. Oh, he's horrible. And I just kind of... And there was some other stuff. And I was just like, dude, I can't... Like, I am traumatizing myself watching the show. So I read some of the books. I kind of keep tabs on the story as it goes. And then I... Like, everybody was, like, tweeting... Whatever. Like, I even go on Twitter. But, like, everybody was, like, Instagramming and YouTubing and whatevering about episode three... Um, what was the name of that? The Long Night? Is that what it was called? I don't remember. The Battle of Winterfell? Some shit. But the one that just happened. And I was like, all right, let me, like, like go to peep this. And I saw that Arya, motherfucking Stark, was the one to kill the Night King, who was, like, the biggest baddie ever in this show, and literally was in, like, the very first episode. So it's been, like, eight years of build-up. And I was, like, at first I was, like, okay, that's cool, dope. And I didn't, like, think about it that much. I was kind of, like, okay, that's cool. And then because I watched that scene on YouTube, I started getting these, like, recommendations for reaction videos to that scene. So I was, like, I'll bite, whatever. And that's when I fucking lost my shit. Because what I saw... Like, video after video were these, like, rooms or, like, bars full of, like, honestly, primarily men. And, like, also women. But, like, this this mixed gendered group of people and all of them are, like, screaming in complete joy and happiness that this strong, super complex female character just got, like, her payout and saved the day where everybody thought, like, the male lead was going to save the day. And I'm not kidding, like, I just started crying. Like, it meant so much more to me than I realized it did. That, like, it just, it makes me so happy that her, a character like her, who is, like, not very sexualized. I know she had her, like, one sex scene. But, you know, like, she's, she has her own, like, unique motives. And she's, like, a fucking warrior. And she's had such a horrible life. And that she gets this payout and, like, men and women are so riding so hard for her like millions of people around the world drake fucking thanked her in an acceptance speech like i don't know to me i feel like and it's weird to me and more people aren't talking about like what a big deal it is like how many times in the world in life do we see millions of people coming together rooting for a, a female like that 
You know, like that's so rare. Even if it's yeah. a fictional, even if it's a fictional character, like I just think that that to me gave me like so much hope, and I found that so powerful, and I kind of can't fucking get over it. Yeah, I mean, she. So you when like the clips that you were watching, like when did it start? Just like right when she was getting like catapulted through the air. It started with like Jon Snow uselessly screaming at a dragon. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so probably like a minute, like the minute leading up to it. Okay. And the Night King's like you know bearing down on Bronn, and Bronn's doing absolutely nothing with his life. And I fucking hate Bronn. Everybody hates Bronn. Hate um, him. So uh, yeah, we also have Melissa and I have some like crazy theories about Bronn. Yes, we do for sure. Um. But yeah, so that, like, I just, I'm, again, like, surprised more people aren't talking about how significant this is, because I love, like, I, the most recent statistics I could find is that, like, 80% of Game of Thrones viewers are men, but I feel like that has to have changed in the last couple oh, of years. Yeah. It's for sure changed. Um, but I still think, like, clearly a fuck ton of men watch that show, and I feel like it just secretly made them all cheer for a woman they didn't even know they loved as much as they did until she got her moment, you know? Yeah. Well, so having, like, so I watched all of Game of Thrones once, and then I did it again a second time. Mm-hmm. And so, like, one of the main takeaways that all kind of point on is the fact that, like, if you really kind of look back from the very beginning up until the end... There is a gradual increase of like an ex- like an explosion of female power. So like yes. the first season, the second season, third, all these female characters, even including Cersei, aren't like going guns blazing. No, like they're just kind of like the, the girls are young. Like you know, it's mainly about the men. Most of like the beginning of Game of Thrones, they are highlighting the male characters. Yeah, and. As time progresses, all of these women, good and bad, start to, like, find their power, and then it just explodes. Yep. Like, it fucking blows the F up. And, like, now towards the end of Game of Thrones, you're looking around at the whole cast, and you're like... Holy shit, it's a bunch of of baby back bitches and some badass bitches. Right. That's why, like, I was telling Melissa, and I'm sure this will happen, but I'm like, if Jon Snow fucking wins the Game of Thrones, I'm going to riot in the street. Because I feel like he, at this point, he's just there to keep the male viewers on board. Like, that's what I feel like. What is his character even doing? He's just like, I don't know. I'm like, here, I don't really do. I scream at dragons. I fucked my aunt. She's probably going to kill me. I don't know. Like, he's just, like, useless. And I feel like he's just there so people won't suddenly realize, it, oh, shit, it's all women now. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And it's I don't even all think... women now. I don't even think people... Re- like, I don't even think the men watching realize it. Like, <laughs> it, it, like, happened so gradually that I think, like, they don't even realize they're fucking watching this, like, super female-powered show, and I'm fucking living for that. Yep. So, Melissa and I have the hope that the that John just gets like thrown aside as he should. Yeah. And will. that the final throwdown comes between Daenerys, Cersei, and Sansa, who I'm fucking cheering for all the way. Oh yeah. It's gonna happen. And I don't think Danny will live. I know she can't live. She it's can't like live. she has to die. It's like part of the story, you know? Yeah, she has to die and Cersei has to die. That's the thing, like I Honestly, like, part... I love Cersei's character. Like, she's so fucked up. 
But she can't win because she's so evil. Yeah. And, like, nobody's going to be happy with that. I know. So, I don't know. I literally, like, when I was in therapy this week, I spent, like, 20 minutes talking about Game of Thrones with my therapist. No, you didn't. No, I swear to God. Because I was, like, literally, like, when I came in, she was like, you seem like you have more life to you. I'm like, Arya fucking Stark. Like, (laughs) like, I'm not kidding. She, like, cured my depression. Like, that, I'm, like, not kidding. Like, I'm... I spent, like, three hours, like, watching reaction videos and crying. Like, it just, it actually meant so much to me. And I think for me personally, like, that character, just seeing a woman who's been traumatized and gone through shit and get and gets hers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she has her fucking moment where, like, it wasn't all for nothing. Like, she became the strong woman from all of this hard times and she literally saved the world. Well, and she's also been, like, a lone wolf yes. for, like, six episodes, or six seasons now. Yeah. Like, she's been off on her own, alone, yep. building herself, working on herself, like, learning skills, learning how to fight, like, literally doing it the fuck all, while single-handedly killing off all of the people that have betrayed her or her family members. And she has no help. She yeah. has... Nobody really protecting her. Nope. Um, and she makes it all the way to the end and is the one that fucking saves the day. It's so, like, th- that story to me is just, like, so empowering and emotional. And, like, also, and I feel like you'll appreciate this the same way I do, her anger keeps her alive. Oh, hell yeah. Her anger, like, her laying in bed every night and saying that list, like, that's what keeps her going. And I'm just like, yeah! Like, it was just this, pa- like, powerful aggressive women get so much flack mm-hmm. and like to see a world of people cheering for one of us just i mean it just like it made me cry it just touched me so much i was so stoked about it um and going back to like bigger game of thrones theory things uh i kind of feel like should we talk about Braun? Should we just talk about Braun? Because we're talking about Game of Thrones, even though this has yeah. nothing to do. Let's like, go for it. we think Braun is going to become the next Night King. Are we agreed on that? Yeah, I think yeah. that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, did you guys notice? I feel like that was part of Arya's sneak attack was that they wanted to, like, because he looked, the Night King looked at Braun all weird, and I think they wanted you to forget it. So they, like, threw in the sneak attack to, like, distract you. That's what I think. Yeah, there's something fucking shady going on with him. Yeah. And I'm just, like, sick of looking at his face, to be honest. (laughs) You fucking hate Ron. I, like, just am over his face entirely. My, uh, I was texting my brother about, like, this theory that we have, and he was like, whatever, Braun's just gonna lay on a tree for the rest of his life. Exactly. <laughs> he fucking hates Braun. And, like, I just think the fact that, like, literally, I think it was episode one when he gets fucking thrown out that castle yeah. window, yeah. like, he was supposed to die. Right. Yeah. From the very beginning. And he didn't. Yeah, I agree. Also, like, look at all the people who have died. And, like, a paraplegic dude in a wheelchair has survived. <laughs> like, why are you keeping this person alive? Exactly. Uh, I'm I fucking sick of him. I So I know, like, the writing has kind of, like, gone in weird places since they surpassed the book. So who knows? Like, it really is, like, anyone's guess at this point what's going to happen in this show. Mm-hmm. But I want to see. I also think Daenerys, as I said before, is going to break bad. And she's going to, like, start... I think she's going to, like, get that dragon craziness and then just go fucking hog wild. Well, something's going to happen between her, John, and Sansa. So Uh, either 
either Sansa's gonna have to kill her to save John, or John's mm. gonna have to kill her to save Sansa. Either way, mm. she's going down. Word. No, she's for sure going down. And I think that's gonna happen before Cersei. Yeah. I also, like, I kind of want to see her... Because I feel like Daenerys almost has this, like, savior Jesus character role in the story. And I'm like, I wonder if she's going to, like, sacrifice herself in some weird way. Like, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. I don't know yeah. how exactly, like, saves her, like, saves someone else or, like, something. But I don't know. I don't know. Um, and also want to give a shout out to George R.R. R. Martin, the author of those books, because, like, he can write some fucking badass female characters. And, oh, yeah. And he... The books are... I was going to ask if you've read the books, but then I realized how funny that would be to ask you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, Melissa loves books, you guys. So, especially fantasy books. That's her favorite. That's her favorite genre. Um, he tells the story, like, each chapter is from a character's perspective. So it's like one chapter will be like Sansa, the next chapter. So Mm -hmm. like he writes it from their point of view, and he actually like for not just for a male writer, like any writer, but especially a male writer, like he he develops these very complex female characters who have their own thoughts and opinions and motivations. And my woman of the week is George R. R. Martin. Woo! Some badass female characters. Yo! Uh, John, you fucking better die. I swear to God, John. He needs to go down. Also, like, my big hope is that Sansa and Tyrion, not only is Sansa going to win, but she's going to boo up with Tyrion, and they're going to, like, rule together. Like, I'm mm-hmm. down for that. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll have a, a long-distance polyamorous relationship where, like, he'll rule the South, she'll rule the North, occasionally they'll meet in the middle of the bone, and that's just, like, how they'll do it. I'm into it. Same. Yeah. Or maybe our okay, here's what'll happen, because Sansa's like all about the north. Maybe Sansa will take the south with Tyrion. Arya's like, I right, fine, I'll hold down Winterfell with what's his name? Pod what's his name? Big Dick Pod? Big Dick Pod? Is that his what what? Is he known for being is he packing heat? Are you talking about Podrick? The guy, with the guy she slept with. Oh, oh, oh no. Who's Podrick? Wait, now I'm confused as who's you. So you missed the season. And like season six, um, Tyrion had like a new lord that followed him around and did things for him. I don't remember what they call that position, but he had one of those jobs where he just had to like do shit for Tyrion all the time. Uh-huh. And his name's Podrick. And he's just kinda like this average Joe. It's like sweet and quiet and he's like can't fight and like he's just like whatever, you know? And so, in one of the episodes, Tyrion, like, throws him a bone and is like, hey, Podrick, I got you all these, like, prostitute ladies. Like, go have fun. And so, he, like, sends them into a room, like, six of these, like, sex workers, and they're all, like, looking good, you know, and, like, feeling him up and getting their titties ready and shit, and then, like, the door (laughs) closes. And then, some time goes by, and then they all come out. And the girls giggle, and they leave, and they run away, and then he, like, rejoins Tyrion, and, like, I don't remember who else was there, a couple other guys, and Tyrion's like, all right, like, how much do I, do I owe them? Like, Tyrion's gonna pay for it, and he's like, oh, like, nothing. And Tyrion's like, what do you mean? Like, how much did they cost? He's like, she said it was, they said it was free. Because <laughs> that dick was so good! <laughs> 
And they're like, what do you mean it was free? And he's like, he's all nonchalant about it. Like, oh, I don't know. Like, they said it wasn't going to cost any money. And they all just start dying laughing. And they're like, holy shit, Podrick. Like, basically, like, you're packing heat. You got the good dick. Yeah. And so now he has a big reputation that he's Big Dick Pod. And that's why I call him every time I see him on the screen. I go, Big Dick Pod. So who am I thinking? Who is it? Gendry? Is that the guy's name? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That she boned it out with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe they'll take the North. He's kind of like. I feel like he's packing heat. Probably. Yeah. All right. I'm down for Big Dick Pod. Big Dick. Basically, Game of Thrones has just turned into women and big dicks, which is <laughs> as, perfect as it should be. Which is absolutely perfect. Well, if you have Game of Thrones theories, literally, please email us. Like, I would be so stoked. Mimosasisterhood gmail dot com. Yeah, yeah. Um, no one guessed our women last time on our mood board because i think we both covered can you hear me hi yeah um because i think we both covered lesser known women all right wine review wine review should i go first yeah go all right i've been hoarding this bottle for like i don't know eight months since october finally got around to drinking it it is a rosé yes and it's a 2017, and it's called Summer Water. It's kind of cute. It has Very these cute. little, like, light pink, like, raindrops down mm-hmm. the front. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, 85% Grenache, 15% Syrah. And it's actually not bad for a rosé. You like rosé, though, right? No, no, I don't like rosé. Oh. Mm-mm. Not a rosé fan. That's why it's been sitting in my kitchen for oh right yeah we've talked about like we both kind of were eh about rosé like to me rosé just kind of tastes like white wine gone bad yeah i don't know i don't get it i'm not a fan but like maybe that's because i drink shitty rosé so if anybody knows of like an incredible bottle of rosé number one send me a free bottle i'll provide my shipping address Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but if you can't do that, then shoot over your recommendations, because I don't want to hate rosé, but I just don't like it. My feelings on rosé are, like, so if it was, like, down to rosé or chardonnay, it'd be, like, hit me with that rosé stuff. Oh, me too. Me too. And, or, like, most, like, there are other wines I like less, and if someone were to, like, if I were to be at someone's house and all they had was rosé, I'd be like, fuck yeah, let's get down on it. As opposed to, like, Chardonnay, where I'd be like, I'm sorry, I have to abstain. But <laughs> it would never be, like, I would never buy a bottle of rosé on my own. So this was a gift. I didn't buy it. Exactly, yeah, right. All of my bottles of rosés that I've covered have been gifts. I think, like, I think you mentioned this the last time you had a rosé or we talked about rosé. They just taste like a headache tomorrow mm-hmm. to me. Like, every time I drink rosé, I'm like, this is gonna, yeah. Well, and also, I think I also said this, it's not something I want to drink at 10 o'clock at night on a Friday. (laughs) What? You know? Word. Uh, I'm drinking, so, I'm excited. Do you remember a couple weeks ago when I had that Portugal wine? Yeah. So it's Vino Verde, and I was like, I need to fucking look this up. It is, like, Vino Verde is specifically Portuguese wine. Um, oh, because yeah, we so were wondering specific. what that was. Yeah, so it, it literally translates to, like, green wine. 
And it does kind of have, like, you can't really see it, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, Can you guys see it at home? Not sure. <laughs> um, it does have, like, a kind of greenish tint to it. And this one is called Famega, which I may be saying wrong. Of course, it's Portuguese. And I really like the pack. Because it says enjoy with and has these little pictures. And it says you can enjoy with pizza, friends, and BBQ. Nice. <laughs> like, it looks so cute. So- it's like these little cartoons on the back. Um, I got it, of course, at the whole paycheck. And it was like 9 bucks. So I assume this is like a $2 wine. Um, if it was 8 bucks or 9 bucks at whole paycheck. A $2 wine. <laughs> I mean, they just like upmark everything. <laughs> So it's like, I do like, as all Vino Verdes, I think, are ha- like a little bit more effervescent than most, like, than a Savi or a Pinot. And I like that. This one, I think, the effervesc- effervescence has a way of, like, hiding cheap flavor really well, which is why I think I can, like, drink cheap champagne. So I'm like, as I'm drinking it, I'm like, this tastes good, I think. But I also think, like, it's cheaper than I think it is, and I'm being lulled into a sense of comfort by the effervescence, if that makes sense. So, it's good. Like, I'm not... All of that sounded very smart. I am so fucking smart. (laughs) Oh, my God. Wait, I need... Oh, fuck! We totally have something that we need to share, which is I did the astrological sign breakdown of our fucking podcast. Yes. Oh my I God, thought you so were going to announce that on the gram. I will, but I figured I should announce it in the... Like, we can do it after this. Okay. okay. So, I ran analyses on the signs we have covered the most. Or just how much we've covered every sign. So, in the interest of research and data collection, here was my method. <laughs> I only included women whose birthdays we actually knew. So, there have been a few women we didn't know, we guessed, I didn't count them. Mm. I didn't count fake women. So that includes Miss Piggy, La Panchata, <laughs> okay, Lilith. Be careful what you say out loud. <laughs> like, I wouldn't fuck with Miss Piggy. Yeah, like no, that. she's gonna. She, I think I just got karate kicked in the face. <laughs> so the people that I that I discounted were La Planchata because she's a ghost, Lilith because she's a fable, because she's a ghost. Wait, <laughs> who's a fable? Lilith. Okay. Hot ship set because she was born a million years ago. <laughs> Miss Piggy because we don't need to say anymore. Grace O'Malley because we don't know. And then Esther Perel because we don't know hers either. But I did include Marie Laveau, which remembers two different people. So she got two different signs because it was a mother and a daughter. And I did not include the Fox sisters because I don't have the signs for all of them, and that just didn't make sense. Why are you laughing? Because <laughs> when you're like, you're like, um, uh, I didn't include La Punch Punchata because she's a ghost. <laughs> I just think it's funny I covered a ghost on our podcast. I covered a pig puppet. So. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay. So, drum roll, Melissa. The signs that we have covered the most are Virgo. By how many? And Sagittarius. You have a two, you have a tie. The exact same? Your sun and your moon. Mm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. 
But I do think we've done a really good job of covering the other signs. So like every other sign, so both of those signs, we've covered six each. Every other sign has either four or five. So I feel like we've been pretty even. They're all kind of like four to six. Except Pisces, we've only covered three, which I'm kind of surprised by. Um, Aries, we've only covered one. Who is it? (sighs) Gloria Steinem. She was an Aries? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, damn. I don't remember that. Mm -hmm. And then Libras, we've covered two. And one of them was a villain. Nice. So I think, like, the signs we talk the most shit about, obviously we talk massive shit about Aries. So, like, no surprise. That made me fucking cackle out loud. But you know what? We don't Mm -hmm. intend on these things to happen. No. This is all by chance. We've only covered four Geminis, which, of course, made me very upset. Uh, And... I know your friend Bonnie thought that Aquarius was going to be the least covered sign, but we have covered five Aquarians. Damn, that's a lot. Exactly. So no more tears. And yeah, that's the, so the most we've covered, we've covered everyone mostly evenly. Virgo and Sag are in the lead with one each, um, or with like six, so one over the others. And then Aries is just, bye, later. See ya. Sorry about it. So because, of course, I was so upset that we hadn't covered enough Geminis, I started looking up cool Geminis to cover, and Jimmy was in town, so we were looking them up together, and we couldn't find, like, any Gemini scientists. There were plenty of, like, writers, performers, comedians, but, like, Geminis are not out here solving equations or doing science. We're just fucking not. Nope. Like, we're out here doing stuff, but, like, you can't catch us in the fucking laboratory. I know that was really funny. (laughs) You'll catch us riding dirty and on the stage. That's right. (laughs) Wait, did you say riding dirty or riding dirty? Riding dirty. And riding dirty. Yeah, both. Both. All right, so should we go in? Yes. Cool. So we have... A slight theme to this week's episode, which is that we are both covering women that listeners, listeners who we do not know outside of the podcast, these aren't just like our friends, but now they're our friends, recommended these women to us. And am I going first? Yes. So the woman that I'm covering today was recommended to us by a a sister who we will call Miss Marina, who actually found us at PodCon. Which That's was super cool. exciting. And um, she's not, she doesn't have her own podcast. She was just a fan and found us and liked us. And I'm super excited. So, Marina, hi. We appreciate you. And then, and just for a reminder for people that are have never listened to this podcast, PodCon is a podcast convention that we went to in Seattle in December. And we were really fortunate January. to meet. Oh, was it January? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, January. And we met a lot of fucking cool people, and um, this was somebody that we met that just happened to be walking by our booth, and probably one of us said hello, and next thing you know, they're throwing out suggestions for the cast, so we're stoked. Love it. And we also just want to reiterate that we love it when people reach out to us. It's nice to know people listen. We we appreciate y'all. Super, super fucking stoked that Miss Marina reached out. 
because this is probably the baddest bitch we've ever covered in all 29 episodes of the show, and that's saying a lot. I, today, will be covering and mispronouncing the woman, Julie Dobbiny, who also was known throughout much of her life as La Mapan, Mapin. I think it's La Mapin, and I'm going to say that wrong, so I'm just call her Julie. She was a bisexual French cross-dressing opera singer and swordswoman. Just in <laughs> case you thought you were cool. And she actually existed. Uh, her flamboyant, chaotic, and debaucherous lifestyle made her a fixture of French celebrity gossip in the 17th century, and her legend persists to this amazing fucking day. Saying, so, No, she's, you're gonna die. She's amazing. Julie was born in either 1670 or 1673, depending on who you ask. Keeping with my theme of when the fuck were they actually born. Uh-huh. And of course, she was born Julie Dobbiny, but went on to be known by her married name, La Mapin, which is also my fucking jam. <laughs> Basically, I just love women who are like, fuck this, I'm becoming a new person. <laughs> You'll never catch me. So her father, so she's, she's born in France in the 17th century. Her father is the secretary to the master of the horse for King Louis the Fourteenth, which sounds like a bullshit job, but I guess it was pretty fucking banging Wait, because she basically grew up in the court. You said master of the horse? Yes, and her dad was secretary to the master of the horse. Like an animal. Yeah, like, I don't <laughs> think the master of the horse is an animal. I think it's like the dude who, like, masters the horses. <laughs> okay. So I'm trying to think of like a Game of Thrones character we can compare him to. I don't think there is one. Okay, got it, got it. So, and they never, and everything I could find about her, which isn't much, nobody ever mentions her mom, which I find really interesting. So I don't know what the story was there. So her father was responsible as secretary to the master of the horse for training the court's pages. And I also realized, like, I don't actually know what a page is besides a tarot card. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Isn't that Do like you know? a little baby back bitch? I think so. <laughs> baby back page. Baby back page. <laughs> so because he's responsible for their training, she grows up learning um, fencing and dancing, reading, drawing. So these things that, well, dancing maybe women also learn, but things that boys usually learn and women maybe didn't learn so much. She grew up learning that. And from a very young age, she dressed like a boy. And she was very quickly, um, she very quickly stood out as a better fencer than the pages. So she was just getting it done. At 14 years old, her dad's, and also I'm not going to mention a lot of the names because I can't pronounce them. So I'm not even going to bother like confusing people with names. So at 14, her dad's gross boss, is what I called him, took her as his mistress. Then he marries her off to a to a different French dude named Mapin or Mapin, however you say that. And then he immediately, that man who she married, immediately got like an accountant job in the south of France and he moved. But Julie stayed behind in Paris at the behest of like the gross boss guy. So basically, and some of the things I read online say that like the guy she married literally left the day after they got married. 
So it was one of those things where it was just like, we're like part of this particular upper class system and we have to get married, but we never see each other and we just go fuck other people. Interesting. Sounds great to me. So she's about 14, 15. Around this time, she becomes romantically involved with a fencing master named Serrans, probably Serrans, but whatever. The police are after him because he killed a man in an illegal duel. So apparently you can like kill men in legal duels, but this was an illegal one. So he was in trouble. Mm -hmm. And the two of them go on the run, basically. The two that were dueling? No, oh, no, her okay, and got this it, guy. got it, got it. Yeah, okay. so this guy is the one who's in trouble. Okay. So her and this guy like are on the lamb from the law, and they head down to Marseille. Down? I don't know where that is. But they head to Marseille. While they're making their way, they make their living through fencing exhibitions and singing in taverns. And in these performances, whether they were fencing or singing, she was always dressed like a dude. But she wasn't trying to pass as a dude. Like, she had her hair down. She didn't have her, like, she had her titties out. So she was just like, I dress like a dude. It's 17th century France. I don't give a fuck. And (laughs) there is a story that in one of these fencing lessons, a man was like, you can't be a woman. There's no way a woman could be this good at fencing. And so in this tavern, she literally took her shirt off. And was like, you tell me. Oh, man. That's our. That's what we're working with here. Hey, that's a sisterhood chick, if you ask me. A hundred percent. Oh, no. How many times have we whipped our tits out? Exactly. To prove a point. You know? Sometimes you just got to put your tits on the table, bar, <laughs> the, the muni window, whatever you can. So, uh, so once they arrive in Marseille... She ends up joining an opera company. So keep in mind, she's like in her mid-teens during all of this. She joins an opera company. <laughs> then everything I read online explained this this way. Eventually, she got bored of, of that guy. Like, she just was like, I'm done with you, bye. So then she ends up becoming involved with a young woman whose name nobody knows. <laughs> um, and that girl's parents send her off to a convent probably because she's having a lesbian relationship with this like random opera singer fence woman. Julie follows her to the convent posing as like someone who was trying to become a nun, like basically like, I want to be a nun. She then, after one of the nuns in the convent dies, they steal the body, put it in Julie's like lover's bed, light the room on fire and then take off. So, so that people will her. think exactly um, doesn't work for whatever reason. <laughs> Three months after they're they're running away after their escape, the girl the affair ends. I don't know why I don't know who ended it. And the home girl who we don't know the name of goes back to her family. Julie is charged in absentia, so like she's not actually present at the trial, and they charge her as a man for kidnapping, body snatching, and arson. And she is sentenced to death by fire. Oh, my God. Yes. But she's not at the trial. She's like, well, bye. See you later. Like, I ain't hanging around for this shit. I'm about not about to be light on fire. So she runs back to Paris. And on her way to Paris. <laughs> like, get ready for this, Melissa. On her way to Paris, she stops in a place called uh, Vie Perdue. Probably said it wrong. <laughs> Wearing men's clothes, right? 
And she literally bumps into this nobleman on the street. And he basically, like, is a baby back bitch and is like, what the fuck? At first he thinks she's a a dude because she's dressed like a dude. And he's like, I'm going to fucking fight you. And she's like, do it, motherfucker. (laughs) They have a duel. She stabs him in the shoulder. She finds out the next day that he's the son of a duke, goes to visit him, fucks him in his room, and they become lovers. Oh, my God. Not kidding. And they remain, like, lifelong friends forever. Yeah. I'm kind of like waiting for you to say something, but I feel like you're absorbing it all. <laughs> I was absorbing it all. Wow. Yeah. I just, I was getting like visual imagery of like this duel and then into like, I just imagined her writing the D on top and like right. all these images. Came but he's my got head. this like wound on his shoulder because yeah. she stabbed him. Absolutely love it. So that's cool. She moves along. She's like, bye. See you later. Thanks for the fuck. She ends up banging some opera singer, a male opera singer at some point. And at some point, she reaches out to her old, um, that dude who was like her dad's boss who married her off, that old nasty zaddy dude. And she's like, hey, so like I got sentenced to death by fire. Is there any way you can kind of like fix that for me? Because I've been having sex with your nasty ass for a few years now and I feel like you owe me some shit. (laughs) And he persuades the king of France to pardon her. So she gets off on her charges. And I've heard conflicting accounts. So one of the things I read was that the same dude convinced the king to get her a spot in the Paris opera. I also read that one of her lovers got her a spot in the Paris opera. So I don't know which is true, but either way through the power of her pussy magic, she gets a man to get her into the Paris opera And she's, I think, 17 years old when that happens. And she hangs out in the Paris Opera and sings for 15 years, but not without hiccups. She, at one point, ends up beating up one of her male colleagues because he was sexually harassing the females on the cast. Nice. So she just went ahead and took care of that. (laughs) She also fell in love with another female member of the opera who was a mistress to the prince was rejected by this woman and then attempted suicide after she was rejected. Whoa. I don't know the details of that. That's what everyone says. She wasn't successful. Obviously, I don't know what that was. She's moving along, doing her things, in her 20s, singing the opera, fighting people, fucking people, doing what she do. In 1695, she kisses a woman at a society ball. So, like, in public. In 1695, this bitch is like, I'm going to just start macking on a hell right in this ballroom. <laughs> like, does not give a fuck. Wait, Melissa. Oh, wait. She, this is so terrible and obscene that three different men challenge her to a duel. She tells all three of them to meet her outside, takes all three of them on simultaneously, and beats them all. Okay, now I'm just visualizing Brienne of Tarth. Oh, Yeah. Like, she's just a, as badass as it possibly can get. But because she was in Paris for this three-way duel, she had broken the law because there was a Parisian law that said you can't duel in the city of Paris. So then she goes on the run again to Brussels, Belgium, where she, of course, briefly becomes the mistress of the ruler of Bavaria, wherever the fuck that is, who, by the way, 
ended up breaking it off with her pretty quickly because he thought she was hashtag team too much after she actually stabbed herself on stage in a performance with a real dagger. Holy fuck. And then literally like bribed her with 40,000 francs, which I don't even know how much that would be, to leave him alone. And the story goes that when his emissary, when his like little errand boy came to give her the money, she threw the coins at his feet and walked off. Doesn't give a fuck. So she's hiding out in Belgium for several years. Some at some point, someone gets her part. Some dude she fucked gets her pardoned again, (laughs) and she makes her way back to Paris, where she returns to the Paris Opera like nothing ever happened. She continues to have trouble with the law throughout her the remainder of her life, including one court appearance for beating up her landlord. Which like who like. She did that for all of us. <laughs> Who hasn't wanted to beat up their landlord? Oh, my God. <laughs> and probably other crimes, but we know that one for sure. It's funny to even think that there were landlords back then. <laughs> did it just, right? like, everyone have property? I don't know. Or Yeah, or Slate. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? So her last opera performance was in 1705. Late in her career, around 1703, she becomes romantically involved with a woman named Madame... Well, she was the Madame Le Marquis de Flansac. But her full name was Marie Louise Therese de Senateur. And <laughs> so good at that. She was considered... Hey, I didn't take three years of French for nothing. She was considered the most beautiful woman in France... And she also was having an affair with the Prince of France. And she had to, like, flee to Belgium because he became so obsessed with her. So she had to, like, go into hiding and get away from this fucker. Fucking weird. They get together. And they seem to have, like, a lovely fucking life together with no crazy calamities for two years until Florensac dies suddenly of a fever. Gnarly. And then Julie is completely distraught. She enters a convent. And that is where she supposedly dies at the very young age of 33 years old. I, of course, want to believe that she did not die at 33 and that all of that was a fucking act and she pretended to join the convent and pulled another one of her, like, master escape plans and lived into long, long life, old age. But the story goes that she died at the convent at 33 And she has, as you might imagine, become quite a popular character in French history. And there have been movies made about her and books written about her and plays written about her. And in her 33 years, she fucked and fought just about as many people. Her and Grace O'Malley are kicking it in heaven, basically. (laughs) Yeah, they are. They're soul sisters. For sure. And that is the fairly short but amazingly badass story of Julie Debani, and thank you so much to Miss Marina for introducing us to her because she is a fucking badass. I like immediately have a zodiac guess. I better be what I think it is. Go. Is she, is she a Leo? Oh my god, that's not all. Well, no. Well, actually, I don't know because we don't know her birthday. Damn it! But my immediate first guess was Sagittarius. Yeah, that's very Sag as well. Just hoeing it up and fighting everybody. But the reason why I said Leo is because she seems very dramatic. Fair. She loves attention. Loves attention. So dramatic. Out of control. Stabbing herself in shit. 
Like, so Sag- Sagittarius, because they're like, you know, they'll fuck any and everything. And then, which also, by the way, we've said that multiple times on this podcast, and no Sagittarius has ever complained about it. <laughs> so I don't know if they're either not listening or they're just like, yeah, that's us. We host. Yeah. yeah. Can't even be mad. Um, and also the fact that she was always just like running around, like on the run. I feel like that's very Sagittarian yeah. mm-hmm. to just be on the go all the time. Mm-hmm. But we don't actually know because we don't know her birthday. Damn it. So, like, just real quick summary. She stabbed a dude in the shoulder after he challenged her to a duel, then fucked him the next day while he was still recovering from his wounds. She, uh, lit, she broke into a nunnery, posed as a nun, put a dead body in a bed, lit a room on fire, and dipped. She also- Why was there a dead body? (laughs) nuns die man i think they literally were just like waiting well so that's what i'm like were they waiting for a nun to drop or did they like kill her nuns die you know like how many nuns could there possibly be that are like ready to die at any moment i'm just saying um and she also macked on a bitch live in 1695 Three men challenged her to a fight. She took them all on at the same time, and she whipped their asses. She's so hardcore. She's, she is literally Brienne of Tarth. She is the hardest. Except, like, she's, well, but Brienne of Tarth doesn't fuck. Or does she? Yeah, exactly. She, Maybe if she, she doesn't, she wants to. I want to see Men Brienne, and women. I want to see Brienne get with Tyrion. Oh, God. That would be the funniest thing. Ugh. The biggest person in the small. Why are you so disgusted by that? Brienne and Tyrion? What's wrong with that? I don't want to see it. I feel like he would have to, like... I... <laughs> Look, dude, if Peter Dinklage... Dinklage? Drinklage? I don't know. If Tyrion hit me up and was like, you want to bang? I'd be like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Like, I mean, why not? He's fun. Dude, they say he's great in bed. That's, that's what he was fucking known for, right? Mm-hmm. In the early seasons. I don't know. Did him and Sansa ever bang it out? No. Just wait. They're bu- they've been building tension, guys. She's great. That was such a good one. Isn't that badass? So yeah. big, big shout out to Miss Marina for, for pointing her out. And badass. thank you, Miss Marina, for fucking still listening to our podcast this many months later. Yeah. Especially since we took all that time off right after PodCon. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Shout the fuck out to Marina. Isn't she the best? Tell your friends. Tell your grandma. Tell your horse. Tell your kids. Tell your wife. Because we're podcasting up in here. (laughs) We gon' find you. I need to plug my computer in. Okay. You don't have to because you know we be looking for you. We gon' find you. We gon' find you. So run and tell that. Run and tell that. Homeboy, homeboy. Where is my document? I can't find it. So I'm really fucking excited because my woman today was recommended by our very first internationally confirmed fan and it was a total shock because we had seen in our statistics that somebody from the philippines had been listening to our podcast and we thought it was fake news 
and we were about to fire our podcasting platform, but we figured before we did that, we would find out by reaching out through the podcast to see if we really do have any listeners from the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And to our motherfucking surprise, we received an email that confirmed we do. What? So, I'm excited to announce that our one confirmed fan in the Philippines, whose name is Yane Tobias, um, she recommended a very, very, very significant Filipina woman who is a huge historical figure for all of the Philippines and who I'm really excited to teach you about and who I'd never heard of until doing my research today. And similar to CJ's woman, I had very conflicting research about her life, um, depending on what it, like site I was reading, there was a little bit of, uh, like misleading info. It kind of varied a little bit. So apologize in advance to any of our listeners from the Philippines. If I am not a hundred percent accurate in what I'm saying, blame the internet, but I'm going to do my best. <laughs> Maria Josefa Gabriela Carino Selang. Who stop, stop with all those names. <laughs> stop it. How many women are you covering? <laughs> Who formally goes by Gabriela Selang. And I could potentially be pronouncing that last name wrong. Let's be real, I probably am. But she is best known as the first female leader of a Filipino movement for independence from Spain, and she's remembered as a fearless warrior and revolutionary leader who took over the reins of her husband after his assassination. So, Gabriela was born in 1731 in Caniogan, Santa Ilocos Sur. She was the daughter of an Ilocano peasant living under Spanish colonial... Okay, all of this is gonna... This is the shitty part when we talk about people from places a billion years ago. I don't know how to pronounce any of this stuff. (laughs) So, Gabriela was born in 1731 in Caniogan, Santa Ilocosur, and she was the daughter of an Ilocano peasant living under Spanish colonial rule in the Philippines. So, for hundreds of years, Spain dominated the Philippines through forced labor, excessive tax collection, and payment of tributes. Imperial Spain's three centuries of colonialism were not accepted passively by the Filipino people. At least 300 significant armed revolts against cruel Spanish repression were launched by the indigenous people of the Philippines. Gabriela was first married at 20 years old to Don Tomas Milan, a wealthy and well-known businessman. Conflicting reports have said that he either died shortly after her marriage to him, which, let's be real, we're hoping that's what happened, yes. or their marriage ended shortly later um, because she left him and ended up marrying a 27-year-old indigenous Ilocano resistance leader named Diego Salong. Mm. So in any case, she really did end up 
like marrying this Diego man. We just aren't sure if she did it after killing off her rich husband. Right. Or if she just left that old fool, old rich fool for him. So we aren't sure. But yeah. we're going to go with the, the, the first option. Yeah, I like that. So Gabriella was not only Diego's partner, but she was also his equal and his closest advisor. He was a man of great intelligence, courage, and determination who believed and fought towards the independence of the Filipino people. The two got married in 1756, and in 1762, she joined the revolt against the Spaniards alongside Diego. But first, Diego was imprisoned after he suggested to the Spanish authorities that they abolish the tribute, the colonialist tax, and replace Spanish functionaries with native people. He volunteered to head Ilocano forces against the British, but the newly appointed Catholic bishop rejected his call. So Diego was sent to jail, and it caused a major uproar in the Ilocano like villages. And after his release, he like riled up more people again to be like, fuck this shit. Like, let's like, you know, go to war and fuck all these Spaniards up. But right as he was rallying everybody up, a local native who was named Miguel Vicos, alongside the hated Spanish officials and the Catholic Church, orchestrated Diego's assassination on May 28th, 1763. So basically, Diego was just trying to, like, get back the freedom of the Filipino people and not have them be treated like shit from Spain. And when he tried to, like, basically start a movement, they were like, well, first we'll send you to jail and then we'll just kill you. So after he was assassinated, Gabriella vowed to avenge his death and she took on full leadership of the resistance. Gabriella moved into the Aubre Mountains to establish a new home base and she reassembled her troops and recruited from the local Tinguin community to fight the Spanish. Oh, yeah, she did. <laughs> She's like, oh, really? Well, we're going to fucking go into the mountains and, like, start a fucking troop of warriors. I'm going to be recruiting peeps from all over the place. Fuck y'all. <laughs> so she gathered up all kinds of people, and they ended up giving her the name Henerala, which meant woman general. And they were gratified that Diego's fighting spirit was continued through Gabriella. So, Gabriela Salong successfully led her men through their first battle in her hometown of Santa. Gabriela and her people fucked the Spanish up, and they were so devastated by the loss that they insisted on defeating Gabriela because they had never before been threatened by a Filipina woman ever in their entire lives or the history of life. <laughs> So Gabriella's next stop was an area called Pitigan, which was not too far from their last stop in Santa, but the Spanish could not track them down to the due to the land's rocky terrain. And in Pitigan, Gabriella was reunited with her mother, who she hadn't seen since her childhood. 
And while she was there, she was joined by her late husband, Diego's uncle. His name was Nicholas Carino, who temporarily took command of the rebel forces and gathered another 2,000 men to join the forces who were loyal to Diego. So they fucking had hella troops. Yeah. Um... Gabriella and her troops descended on the town of Vigan on September 10th, 1763, and they led several attacks against Spanish forces. Some won, but others lost, and there were many casualties on both sides. When the attacks were over, Gabriella's forces were overwhelmed, and as a result, she was captured later in the mountains of Abra and taken prisoner by Spanish forces. That were led by the same motherfucking piece of shit who ana- ass- who assassinated her husband, <gasps> Miguel Vicos. Fuck you, Miguel. Yeah, not I'm good. I'm gonna name this episode "Fuck You, Miguel." <laughs> <laughs> not good. <laughs> um, about ninety of her lieutenants were caught. And one by one, each lieutenant was lined along the coastal towns and paraded in front of the townspeople to gawk at. As a result, they were all hanged publicly. As for Gabriella, she was brought to the town plaza one morning and hanged before a crowd of Spaniards. She was 32 years old, and she went out calmly and courageously until her death. To this day, the final resting place of Gabriella Salang remains unknown, um, but her determination, along with her skills and strength, is what the people of the Philippines will never forget and why she is regarded as the pioneering female Bayani. Today, her courageous leadership became a symbol for the importance of women in Filipino society and their struggle for liberation during colonization. The people of the Philippines eventually defeated Spanish colonialism in 1898, only to begin a new anti-colonial struggle against the United States. Yep. But despite harsh racist repression and vicious massacres, the U.S. imperialists faced the same problems as the Spanish had and were unable to subdue the Filipino people. Gabriella's deeds inspired the creation of the country's leading grassroots women's alliance in her memory, which is named Gabriella. It was formed in 1984 and is the General Assembly binding women for reforms, integrity, equality, leadership, and action. Its sister organization in the United States is the Gabriella Network. Mm-hmm. And the Gabriella organization's principle states, quote, We believe that the freedom women seek will be brought out by the resolution of the problems of foreign domination, landlessness, and political repression, and in the changing of patriarchal value systems and structures in Philippine society. And that's that. Uh, Rest in peace. R.I.P. Gabriella. Um, Real quick before we do sign... Some, like, weird similarities with our women. Today. I know. I was thinking they, the same thing. They both died around the same age. They, they were, both lived around the same time. Yep. 
And they just, like, straight up did not give a fuck. Yeah. Also, both of them in different ways remind me of Grace O'Malley. Mm. Like, when her, when Diego got got assassinated and she was like, oh, you gonna kill my boyfriend, though? And then just, like, retaliated. Yeah. so great. I love it. Well, also, like, another interesting thing to know is that, what, this was 1760 two or something like that and her husband who was ruling as like a rebel group to like take back like the freedom of their people he dies and instead of like one of the thousands of other men like rebels to take over it's just like wife's she wife's up and is like nope it's me right yeah like i'm doing it and like people just follow her yeah like there wasn't even a pushback on it it's like okay Right. Take over. I love it. Like, that would never happen today. Yeah, not in America anyway. No. no. Yeah. Yeah. It might happen in Winterfell, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, fucking Stark! I'm gonna get Arya Stark tattooed to my ass. Also, okay. both of these women's stories kind of can be very Game of Thrones, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> A hundred percent. Like, okay, so Julie was obviously Arya because she's literally fencing at, like, a young age. And, I don't know, I feel like... And Brienne. Who, Gabriella? No, you're... you're, Is it Gabriella? Yeah, Gabriella. Okay, that's, like, the I didn't know there were, like, so many. So, (laughs) she almost makes me think more of Daenerys. Kinda, huh? You know, like, mobilizing the troops and, like... Heading into the mountains, gathering the tribes... Right. Love it. Do we know her birthday? We do. I mean, it's you're not going to guess it. It's like, whatever. It's so hard. Like, her whole Doesn't story's make... about war. It's so hard to know. I mean, maybe not. Let's see what you think. I'll tell you this. One, do you want a hint? It's not a big yes. hint. Okay. She's a cusp. Like, right on the cusp. Okay. Is she... A fire sign? Because She's be half-cusped with a fire sign. But, like, her actual... Okay. Her actual number date does not fall in fire. Okay. But the one date after her does. Okay. Is she a Pisces? Yep. Okay. I had a feeling she was a Pisces just because that was the, like, most opposite of what you just described. Of, so like, her was- life? Yeah, so I was like, if she's like, you're probably not going to guess it, I was like, probably Pisces. Well, that's good. That means we've upped our Pisces number to four. Well, and she's an Aries cusp. Yeah, 100%. But you know what? This was like back in the day and like days were longer or something. I don't know. Time was shorter. The planet was flat. Dragons ruled the seas and shit. I don't know. I watched a really ridiculous Netflix documentary on Flat Earth. I heard. I didn't watch it, but I heard. I saw it. You need to watch it. Is it just like absolutely ridiculous? It's just amazing. (laughs) It is absolutely incredible. (laughs) Like, you need to watch it immediately. Word. Okay. Is it going to. I haven't watched it because I'm afraid it's going to just make me want to kill someone. The, the people in the documentary you need to watch for okay. pure entertainment purposes. Okay. Okay. Like, you're going to be like, oh, my God. I mean, listen, it makes sense. It's all a conspiracy, guys. Aliens. Hashtag Aquarius. I love it. Okay. 
So that was short, but both of our ladies were kind of throwbacks. No, that's good. Like, with our long intro, like, we actually have a normal level episode, so. I do have a woman of the week who was inspired by your woman, though. Who? Um, Valerie Francisco, who was my professor of global sociology at SF State, and is now a professor. I don't know if she's adjunct there, but she's a professor there. And uh, she is very involved with Gabriella USA. Is she? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, she's badass. And I know she had, actually, I should, since I'm shouting her out, I should shout out her book that was published, I think, last year. Um, we can cut this till I find the book. Her book is called The Labor of Care, Filipina Migrants and Transnational Families in the Digital Age. Crazy. So shout out to Valerie Francisco, just because your story made me think of her. And shout out to Yane. And big shout out to Yane. Yeah. Thank you for being our first international listener and for reaching out to us and even recommending a woman from your area. We super appreciate that. And um, again, guys, hit us up if you have women you think we should cover. We love hearing from you. So. All right. Anything we need to, like, end on? I don't know. I don't think so. We don't have, like, any announcements or anything. We hit us spent up. an Follow hour doing for the announcements. Love of fucking God, hit us up on Twitter. Someone besides other podcasts who are just, like, trying to promote their own page, please fucking hit us up on Twitter. I finally got a retweet on something I posted today. I am so proud of you. You want to hear what I posted? Yes. I said... I recently got a Fitbit, and I was ecstatic to discover that I walked two miles in Target the other day. <laughs> that is so much. I know. And then oh I wrote, God. Then I wrote, hashtag, um, I wrote, hashtag women that shop. Like, you know how they do, like, w- chicks that lift, women that flex, like, all those stupid fitness. Do you, have you ever heard those? I, like, no, made them all shopping related. <laughs> I wrote, like... Fit Target Mom, like all these dumb things, and Stupid. some complete stranger liked it enough to retweet it. So we're making some progress. Fuck yes! Thank you, person who retweeted <laughs> our shit. Thank you. <laughs> Two miles in Target. That is a lot. That's a fucking. That's a lot of walking. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, that's pretty impressive. No, that's great. Oh, and Fucking... then, of course, um, Neon commented. Neon! Love Neon. <laughs> Neon is our, like, number one Twitter fan. Yeah. And we are and we are Neon's number one Twitter fan. Yes. All right, well, hit us up. You know all that shit. <laughs> we'll see you next week for episode 30. Dirty fucking 30. Yay! Yay! Bye! Bye! Oh, I'm the one. (laughs) I kept waiting for you to end it, and you were looking at me awkwardly.